Did you know the person? Well, I hope you introduce yourself. Hey, you know, we're a, we're a week from Easter, or a week out from Easter, and you know, a, a little bit uh, uh, around 2,000 years ago, maybe a little bit less than that, because I think Jesus was uh, around the age of 33, of course. Uh, you might say, was, you might say, well, you know, we, we kind of have guessed that'd be the time. But uh, some incredible events happened, and the week, and, and this is, and in John chapter, in John's gospel, um, the book that John wrote of the four, what we call gospel, uh, which gospel just means good news, uh, which is pretty incredible. But uh, the fourth book is John, and um, and he he wrote some amazing. A third of his book is is allocated to that period when Jesus came into Jerusalem the week before he was Easter, the week before he was crucified, buried, and rose again. Uh, so. Um, from chapters 13 to chapters 21, like a third of his, over a third of his book is designated to talking about the events that happened before his uh, death and resurrection. And um, it's interesting, uh, some of the stories that unfold, of course, there was the time that week before Jesus entered Jerusalem, you know how he entered Jerusalem, and on a donkey, and of course the locals and the multitude who had gathered in Jerusalem at that time, because they'd gathered there for a religious festival or feast that was very important to the Jewish people called the Passover. And so they'd gathered uh, there and they came and watched Jesus and uh, he, he uh, rode in on a donkey and they threw palm leaves and some of their clothes down and they sang a Hosanna, which uh, one of the things it means is salvation. Little did they know that's exactly why Jesus was coming in Jerusalem. Uh, some of them wouldn't have understood that, but that's why. And of course, he had the, so Jesus entered, and then Jesus had this last meal with his disciples. And uh, at that meal, he, uh, he washed their feet and talked to them about serving others and serving one another. And that's why they came, and he commissioned them to go uh, and, and to do the same to everybody else. And then, of course, we see uh, from that moment, we see the events of the actual arrest, betrayal, um, uh, and then, of course, his crucifixion, his burial, his resurrection all unfolded. So I wanted to just um, take some verses from, um, from John chapter 14. I want to read you some verses this morning. Um, and uh, you can, uh, while I might put some slides up there, I'm not going to put all the verse up there. Okay, because you, you know, I think you remember a picture more than you remember a verse sometimes. I want you to read your Bible, don't get me wrong, but... I wanted you to understand. I want to read this verse, John chapter 14, verse 16 and 17. It's a way of introduction this morning. It says, and, I, and this is Jesus speaking. Remember, he, he, he had this, for three chapters of John's gospel, he, he, he just speaks and he talks. And it's all uh, what he said. And he says in verse 16 and 17, I will pray to the Father and he'll give you another helper that he may abide with you what forever. And the spirit of truth, that's what the Holy Spirit is. He's a helper. He's the spirit of truth. Um, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, talking to the disciples, Jesus is. For he dwells with you and will be in you. That's the Holy Spirit. And if we were to go to then verse 26 of John 14, it says this. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things 
that I said to you. And then if I was to go to John chapter 16, so the first thing we see about this first verse is he's a helper, he's a comforter. There's many names for the Holy Spirit. He's an advocate, he's a supporter of us. And particularly at those times when we find uh, face the crossroads of decisions in life and we need to need guidance and wisdom and direction. It says that his word is a light to our feet, the lamp to our path. Holy Spirit is often promoting God's word into your heart as you read it and bringing something of a understanding and revelation and giving you guidance for life. You know, you can find guidance for life in a whole lot of crossroads in your life. Who will you marry? You know, what the people, um, you know, the decisions you make, how you're going to, your attitudes in life. God gives you, through the Holy Spirit, so much prompting. But we look at chapter, John chapter 16, and we look at some more verses about the Holy Spirit. And verse 13 and 14, it says this, However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, Jesus says. The Holy Spirit is going to glorify me. He will take he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Now, I have put the verse up, that verse, those two verses in the Message Bible up there, because I particularly wanted you to see it in a paraphrased, not that the message is better than any other. I'm just saying in this reference, I thought it was very good. It says there, but when the friend comes, the spirit of truth, he will take you by the hand and he will guide you into all truth there is. He won't draw attention to himself but will make sense out of what is about to happen. And I would like to say, sometimes when we come to God, He can make sense through the Holy, Holy Spirit, can help us make sense of what's happening in your life. Some of the, the wonderful things that happen to us, some of the blessings of life, some of the struggles of life, some of the issues that we all face, He can help us as we draw near to Him to make sense of it. Because sometimes when you're in the midst of it, you can't see anything uh, you know, but as we come through, you know, the Holy Ghost wants to reassure you that, hey, he, he wants to guide you and help you through. And uh, that's where trust comes in, isn't it? When we can't see where we're going, but we can trust him. So he will guide you into all truth. He won't draw attention to himself, but he will make sense out of what's about to happen. And indeed, out of all that I've done and said, Jesus says, he'll make sense out of all that I've done and all that I say. Um, let me pray. Father, I thank you today that we are spiritual beings. As much as we're physical, as much as we have an emotional, we have a spiritual part of us. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you've come for, on our account to be with us, to help us. And today, I ask that you just reveal your truth and your word as we share it. In Jesus' name, and everyone agreed, said, amen. Brilliant. 1955 to 1975 is... A lot of us, some of us, a majority of us probably weren't born. I, I was born in the middle of that time. It was called the Vietnam War. And if you know anything about the Vietnam War, you'll know that the uh, North Vietnam had joined hands with China and they were fighting against South Vietnam and who had joined hands with America. So it was North against South, but also China against America. It was a horrific war. It was terrible. No wars are good, are they? Uh, out of the midst of that come some wonderful stories, some wonderful, you know, and, and as we know in all wars, wars, there's been horrific things, but there's been amazing displays of human grace and love and support and all those things. And we see in this war there was no difference. There was a, gold, a guy called Charles Plum. He was a jet fighter um, pilot. His plane was located on the U.S. Kitty Hawk. It was an enormous aircraft carrier. 
enormous. And it was located off, you know, Asia. And these jets would take off from that, the decks of that ship and run missions into Vietnam and bomb the enemy, of course. And Charles Plum was one of those. Um, he had 75 combat missions, successful missions into Vietnam. That was quite a record. 75. He was just a young man in those days. 75. The 75th combat mission he flew into Vietnam, he was shot down. He wasn't killed, it's just his plane was crippled. So he had to eject. He ejected out, and uh, as he ejected out, of course, his parachute opened and he floated down to earth. He was captured by the Vietnamese. He was put in, then in prison in a POW camp for six years. Six years in a Vietnamese uh, communist prison war camp. Thankfully, when the war was finished, they released all the prisoners, and he was one of those, and he came back to America. He was a Christian, and he started a speaking circuit because he, he would speak about his, what God taught him through all those suffering and all that pain. Um, there's, here's a picture of him as a young man, and then there's a picture of him as an older man, and there's the picture of the uh, U.S. Kitty Hawk. Thousands of men worked on that ship, thousands. Um, one day, Plum and his wife were in a restaurant, and a slightly younger man, uh, he was, you know, getting on. They were both getting on. But this younger man came up and spoke to him and said, uh, Sir, you're uh, Charles Plum, aren't you? And you flew jet fighter pilots, combat missions in the Vietnam off the U.S. Kitty Hawk. And he says, yes, I am. How did you know? He says, well, I, I worked on the Kitty Hawk as well. He says, really? Do you work there as well? What did you do? I don't remember meeting you. And they both agreed there were thousands of men. And, and there was women there as well, but thousands of men. And it was very difficult to greet everybody and know everybody on that boat. And he said, well, you know, sir, it's interesting that we should meet now because I've always wanted to tell you something about uh, what my job was. He says, what was your job? He says, I packed your parachute. I'm the guy who was in the bowels of the ship for all those years, um, and that what I would take your parachute particularly, I was assigned to you. I never got to talk to you about it, but that's cool. We have now. And I would take the folds of that parachute, and I'd fold them carefully, and all the attaching lines to that parachute, I would make every time that silk parachute was folded perfectly so that if you ever needed it one day, and I was hoping you never would, but you did, didn't you? He said, yes, I did, on the 75th mission. And Plum took the hand of this younger man and shook it vigorously and said, guess what? It worked. <laughs> and he said, uh, and the parachute packer said, I know. And they exchanged addresses and times. And I wish I could show you a picture of the parachute guy who packed his parachute all those years. But you know what? I can't find a picture. And maybe that's good because you know what? There's no picture of the Holy Ghost either. There's no picture of the Holy Spirit. But you know what? It's like that man who was down in the bowels of the kitty hawk uh, day after day, week after week, month after year after year, packing the parachutes for not only Charles Plum, but many other men who flew out in those fighter pilot planes. He worked vigorously. He wasn't known by many. He wasn't on the top deck where all the action was happening, all the planes coming and leaving, and that would have been the action spot. But down there in the bowels of the ship on those long wooden tables, he continued to perfect his craft and do what he had to do because one day a fighter pilot might need what he was doing right there. And literally, as he thought about folding those parachutes, he knew he held the lives of people's men's hands in his hands. And I want to say that the Holy Spirit 
is the unassuming partner in the Trinity. He's not less equal. He's equal to the Father. He's equal to the Son. He's equal. He's just as much one and just as important as they are. But just like that man in the bowels of that ship, unassuming, just doing his job, the Holy Spirit continually wants to work in your life. In actual fact, Jesus has gone back to heaven to be with his Father. We have no one else here but God's presence through the Holy Spirit. And he can be unassuming sometimes in our lives. Those verses that I read this morning, it says he's here to glorify the Father, glorify Jesus. He's not here to glorify himself. The Holy Spirit doesn't promote himself. He's unassuming. In many ways, there's this, he's altruistic. Do you know what altruistic means? It means selfless and self-sacrificing. It's the direct opposite to egotistic. You know what egotistic is? It's where we promote self and it's all about me and what I can do. Holy Spirit was never about that. He's unassuming and he's like that man in the bowels of the ship who just continues to do his job. And I want to tell you the Holy Spirit is here today and his presence is in you. But do we acknowledge him? Because I think sometimes his unassuming nature, he doesn't press or force his way, but he's here. And he wants you to understand that you know, just because you can't see him and he's sometimes laid back and he glorifies the Father, he's no less important in your life. And he wants to be in your life. And he wants to fill your life. Because not only when you became a Christian, you know, when we become Christians and we receive Jesus into our heart and we might pray a prayer of commitment to him, the Holy Spirit's right there. And he comes into our life. And, and you know, if we, there's one thing we know about salvation is real is when we just sense something has changed. But, you know, there's not only that time of salvation, but, you know, there's that time where he wants to baptize us in the Holy Spirit as well. And we see it in, in many verses, and particularly in Acts Gospel, chapter 2 and verse 4. It says, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and, and they began to speak in other languages and other tongues, it says in Scripture. In other words, the Holy Ghost felt, filled them and came upon them. And uh, what a powerful thing happened and empowered them to be witnesses, empowered them to love. And the initial evidence was the wonderful gift of the speaking in tongues. That's the initial, not the only. There's other evidences of it. It's God's presence in our life as well. So, so we see that he, he, in a sense, he works on the inside of the ship, the Holy Spirit, and he continues to make sure and, and the more we acknowledge him and the more we yield to him, the more that he can help us. He's a helper. He's a comforter. The more that he wants to direct our lives and guide us. We can ignore him. We can put him aside. And you know what? He'll even, he won't try and knock down the door of your heart. He'll just knock and say, I'm here. And he'll only ever want to promote Christ in our lives anyway, what Jesus has done. But he's, please don't ignore him. Don't ignore the reality of his presence and his wanting to take a hold of our lives. See, we can sometimes wonder, well, what does he do? Well, he can empower us and guide us. He helps us to forgive and helps us to love people. He helps us to stop lust and hate and greed and all the attributes that we really don't want a part of but still want to barge their way into our lives sometimes. He wants to help us even share about Jesus with others. He wants to make us a giver and not a taker in life. Just about everything we do and every spiritual success that you have, he empowers us to do. And you know what? We should not be concerned and so mystified by the Holy Spirit. He's a spirit, 
but he's a person as well. He's a person of the Holy Spirit. As Sandy, a couple of weeks ago, shared the person of the Holy Spirit. But, you know, he's a spirit, and, he want, and that, that way he can live within us. And we shouldn't be mystified by that because we live in a world that seeks out spiritual things all the time. We see people rise up with occultish practices, seeking out spiritual, some kind of spiritual connection with the, with the, the world in some way, you know. And we see most of the problems of the world today are not so much physical as they are mental. Inside us needs to be fixed up. And guess who wants to come and fix that up is the Holy Spirit. He wants to come, you know, um, worry and anxiety. I've, he wants to give us peace for that. He wants to give us uh, for grumpiness and I don't care about life. He wants to give us joy. That's the Holy Spirit always coming. And, and it's interesting because... It says in Romans 8 too, we see Paul says, he calls the Holy Spirit the spirit of truth. He says, for the law of the spirit of life. Sorry, not truth. He, he does say truth in those earlier verses, but he calls it the spirit of life. He says, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. And we know that, uh, and interesting because this, Paul is talking about the spirit of life. He's talking about the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit wants to give life. He's the life giver. But the truth is that Jesus says in John chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So what's going on here? Jesus is the life, but the Holy Spirit is the spirit of life? Exactly. Because what happens is, he, to understand this, Jesus is life. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of life. The Holy Spirit has come to give us the things of Jesus that pertain to life. He's the... He's, He's the messenger boy. He's the guy who gives what Jesus wants to give, but through the Holy Spirit. Jesus is life. Holy Spirit is the spirit of life that Jesus wants to give us. And you can see that with many things throughout Scripture. And very much so, he's working on the inside of us to give us life, to give us direction. And sometimes at those very important moments in life, when something gets shot down in your life, when something wants to crash and burn, when all the struggle seems too great, I mean, the Holy Spirit is there. And he allows us to free fall slowly to earth and, and provides, uh, and, and we don't die, we live even through those times because the Holy Spirit wants to work on the inside of us. John the Baptist comes along and uh, he says something about Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And it says it, and he says it in Matthew chapter three verse eleven, and he says, "Indeed, I baptize you with water unto repentance." This is what John the Baptist says. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, talking about Jesus, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit in what fire? John the Baptist said that. He's, once again, John the Baptist is an unassuming character. He takes the he takes the second kind of seat to Jesus. Jesus is in the front. He says, you know, I'm not even worthy to tie his sandals. He's a, it's the son of God. It's Jesus. He says, you know what? But Jesus is going to come along and he's going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit in fire. And he shows us this wonderful analogy of fire. Um, so John says, Jesus will baptize you just like I baptize you in water. Just like, you know, when you go beneath the water, you get totally consumed by the water. 
and it totally um, covers you when you're baptized in water. He says, you know what? That's going to happen in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants to totally consume your life. He wants to totally fill your life. And he wants to fill you and, and, and make something powerful be powerful in your life, John the Baptist says. What a wonderful thing. It's, a, it's an interesting analogy, fire, isn't it? I just want to point out something about this because I've heard people say sometimes that um, you know, Jesus wants to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire as if they're two separate events. They're not two separate events. It's not Holy Spirit and a fire. It's Holy Spirit and the fire. Holy Spirit is the fire starter, folks. He's the one who comes into your life, in a sense, and gets things red hot. He, man, he, he can do pretty amazing things in your life. Uh, he can be your strength. He can be your peace. He can be your joy. He can be your hope. He can be your future. I mean, he does amazing. He can he can do amazing things. But we so often it's not so much I think as as having uh, more of the Holy, you know, getting more of the Holy Spirit. I think it's are we willing to allow ourselves to receive more of His presence in our lives? Are we willing to do that more and more? Allow Him. Um, so John the Baptist uses this analogy of fire. He says he's the Holy Spirit of fire. He's the fire starter. And uh, they're, not, they're synonymous. They're not two different things. The Holy Spirit comes with the, the fire. So and when you think about it, I just for a moment wanted to think about the attributes of the Holy Spirit. And, and when we talk about the Holy Spirit, fire is a good analogy because fire has some incredible attributes about it that is exactly like the Holy Spirit. And what he does in our lives. Um, it, 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 when you think about it, the fire uh, consumes, doesn't it? Is that true? You set fire to something and it's never going to be the same again. It's going to be different. It's going to be changed. That's for sure. Fire changes things. And it looks different. It comes out different. Um, and we see that uh, actual fact. God says in Hebrews 12.29... For God is a consuming fire. That's what he says in the scripture, what, what the author of Hebrews says. He's a consuming fire. So what are some of the things? How does he, what, what change does he bring, the Holy Spirit? And, and using the analogy of fire, what change can he bring in our lives as we allow him into our life? You know, it just says the fire of the Holy Spirit purifies. I love this. Malachi 3.2 says this, But you who can endure, who can endure the day of, of his coming, and who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and a launderer's soap. Here's a wonderful picture of, of this gold that's being refined. And I've never seen it, literally. I've never seen pictures. But they say that if they want to purify gold, that, you know the picture. You know the story. They take the gold. They heat it up. And all the dross rises to the top. They wipe it away. What's left is more purified gold. They heat it up again. The process goes on. And more dross rises. They sweep it off the top. You know, um, and, and, and kind of this is a, a picture of that. I think the pure gold's now in, being poured into something there. So um, it, it says that gold literally takes over a 1,000 degrees Celsius of heat to be able to extract all the irregularities and all the pollutants in it to make it pure. That's pretty pure. That's amazing heat, isn't it? That's amazing what all the impurities that need to be taken out. And so when we face struggles, my prayer would be that we wouldn't blame someone else. We wouldn't blame God. I understand um, sometimes reality is, is where God, we can question God, and I encourage you to do that. But when we face the things we, we face, but I think sometimes God is just allowing some heat 
so the rubbish of our lives can rise to the top. And I put myself in the same story here, rise to the top. And an opportunity is then to let it be skimmed off or we can put it back in our lives and say, I love it too much and I won't let it go. The Holy Spirit wants to purify, but are we willing to let him do it? Let him do it in our lives. And maybe there's some immaturities or there's attitudes or there's wrong thinking that needs to be skimmed off the top. So what remains is people who have some element of maturity about them in the things of God. God wants to build that into our lives. And he does it through the Holy Spirit. Maybe when the heat is on next time, instead of saying, God, why? Why, God? Why? Why? Because I must admit, I don't know why sometimes. How about you say, what, God? What, God? What do I need to change? What do I need to submit to? What do I need to let you have? What mindsets needs to be broken in my life? What are you trying to do? Um, what needs to happen? You know, I, there's a wonderful picture of this that I have in my mind. As a little 10-year-old ten, young man, boy, I suppose, I'd go and stay with my auntie in Bundaberg, and she lived in the most coolest place in the whole world. Really, what I thought was the coolest place in the whole world. She lived in Bundaberg, but she just didn't live in Bundaberg. She lived on the only hill that seemed to be around Bundaberg. It was called the Hummock. Does anybody know the Hummock? I don't know why they call it the Hummock. It's just a big mound that's higher than any. And when you're up the top, you can see for kilometers in all directions. You can see Bagara. You can see the town of Bundaberg. And it's just fields of cane. You know, it was in those days anyway. You know, um, cane fields. And as a young man, I'd go and stay with her and play with my cousins for a week. It was my mum's sister. And uh, at nighttime, I would be fascinated. I'd sit on her porch and I'd watch the cane fires. In the darkness of the night, in the backdrop of, of total blackness, these fires would be raising, you know, burning throughout the cane fields. And I was just enthralled by that. I'd never seen it before. You know, I grew up in kind of a, a place called Gympie. They didn't have cane fires in Gympie. They had floods. It was a lot different. Um, <laughs> Um, but Bundaberg, man, it was fascinating. And I, as a young man, I never knew why they had cane fires because, you know, 10-year-old boys don't really care about the detail. They just enjoy the moment. And so I didn't know why they had cane fires. I grew up to realize that they had cane fires because the cane, uh, the farmers, when they harvested, just wanted the cane stalk and not all the rubbish that was in the cane field as well because the fire would burn up the rubbish and if there's one thing I know that God the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives when he comes into our lives he does the convicting of sin in our hearts he doesn't condemn us he convicts us and he says come on that needs to be burnt up that needs to be burnt up now I'm grateful that God is incredibly gracious more gracious than me because there's times when I have come again and again to God with the same issues and say God here it is again I'm sorry and he says and the Holy Spirit again just you know incinerates it but sometimes we go back to that spot and we pick it up again and he says no you don't need to pick it up again until finally we get a little bit pure and all the rubbish gets burnt out and I think to be honest I think I'm going to spend a lifetime continuing to allow the Holy Spirit to destroy the stuff in my life that I don't need It'll take a lifetime. In actual fact, heaven will be the only place I'll be perfected. But does that mean we, don't, we just give up and say, well, I'll just live in my sinful life, still love God, but you know, the truth is you can't have a foot in both camps, can you? It's not gonna, it, you just can't do it. It's a bit like, it's a bit like you know, it says in Jeremiah, there's a potter's wheel. 
get the picture of a potter's wheel and, they, and where the clay and he throws that clay on there. It's a bit like the clay wants to want, put one foot on the wheel and one foot on the side. I just want to live in the world, but I just want to live for God. But you know, when the potter's wheel starts up, you're going to get flung off because you can't have one foot stationary and the other going around the wheel. That's a, just thought of that. It's a good picture. I need to write that one down. Someone write that down and just email it to me. But, you know, the reality is it may be, it, it, sometimes, as I said, it's not a question of you getting more of the Holy Spirit, but maybe letting the Holy Spirit get more of you. Getting more of you. Here's another thing about fire that I think is powerful. What the fire of the Holy Spirit, that analogy of fire does, fire leaves an unmistakable odor. Would you agree? Those cane fields, when they burnt, you could just smell. And it was a good smell. I tell you what's a bad smell is when you go to your electric barbecue and you press the button several times for the spark, the light, and you've already turned on the gas bottle and the, and the, and the barbecue is filling up with gas and you think, and then you make the mistake of looking over the edge <laughs> at the same time as pressing the button and it goes, Poof! and the old hairs on the arms, the eyebrows all get singed. Hair has an unmistakable odor, would you agree? It's not a nice odor, burnt hair. Um, thankfully, that's all that usually, in my case, on two or three occasions has been burnt. Nothing else, apart from my pride, my ego being dented a little bit. I should have known better. But it just says in Scripture, Peter and John, the disciples, one day, they went into the temple and there was this, um, there was this man who was lame. And they said, silver and gold we haven't got, but what we have we give you in the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. And he walked. He was healed. And they started to preach on the porches of the temple in Jerusalem. And what happened was the Pharisees got really upset with that. And they, put it, they arrested them and put them in jail. And that night they spent in jail. The next morning they come out and they had to, they had to make a defense of themselves before all the religious leaders and this is what happened in Acts chapter 4, verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, <laughs> notice that. Acts chapter 4, verse 8. Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, The rulers of the people, and he started to preach. He started to preach. And then in verse 13, probably some time later, just several verses later in Acts chapter 4, and then the Pharisee says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and, the, and perceived that they were uneducated, untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. They'd been with Jesus. Filled with the Holy Spirit, notice in verse four, 8, filled with the Holy Spirit, but they'd been, Jesus wasn't there anymore. He'd gone to be with his father by Acts chapter 4. Of, he was gone, but the Holy Spirit was there. But they knew that had some influence. Jesus had influenced them. Now the Holy Spirit was empowering them. They kind of didn't quite grasp it. The fact is that though they'd been with Jesus, Jesus was now empowering them through the Holy Spirit in their lives. There was an odor on their life. There was something about them they, they thought, these guys are uneducated, they're just fishermen. Um, Peter probably had the smell of bait still on his body. He was a fisherman from a long time back, and yet they realized something had changed. How could they speak so eloquently? How could they speak so powerfully now? It must be something. Oh, they've been with Christ. Even the, even the religious leaders couldn't ignore the fact. So there's an odor that comes in our life when we spend time in the Holy Spirit's presence. You know what? You know, you and I know when we spend God's touch our lives through the Holy Spirit, there there's can be a love and a joy. 
And of course, we go through the week and we kind of lose that because we just need to renew the Holy Spirit in our lives again. We just need to, Scripture says, be being filled. Because we do leak out. We do lose it. And, you know, we've got to just every day come and refill and refresh ourselves and have that odor of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's amazing when you have been in God's presence, when the fire for Christ is burning in your heart, um, there's an unmistakable odor sometimes on your life. I remember when I was, as an 18-year-old, I was filled with the Holy Spirit. I'd been a Christian since I was 13, but uh, and the Holy Spirit was there, obviously, in my salvation. It was Wonderful. There had been a change in my life, but I just sensed that I needed more impact. I needed more of God's power. I needed more of God's strength. So at 18, I sorted, and I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I came back to a group of friends because I was went to Rockhampton for some college studies. And I came back here in Gladstone. And they said before and before literally two days had passed, they said to me, "What has happened to you?" I said, "Is it good?" I said, oh, yeah, yeah, it seems good, but you're different. I said, you know what? And I talked to them about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I said, this is what's happened, and I've got this evidence of initial evidence. I've got love in my life. I've got joy in my life. I've never had like I have. It's not that I didn't have the opportunity to have that as a Christian before. It's, it's not that I wasn't going to heaven before. It's just that I've received more through the baptism. And, 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 and I had this new prayer language, and I talked to them about it. And they were fascinated. They were fascinated. But unfortunately, many of them kind of said, oh, well, a bit, bit, bit spooky. I said, well, nothing spooky about it. It's real. It's reality. They couldn't deny my testimony. And I would say to you today, the Holy Spirit is not spooky. He's totally holy and he's totally spirit. There's nothing spooky about being right living and, and grasping a hold of that, which is because we are not only body, soul, but we're spirit as well. We need the Holy Spirit. Nothing spooky about it. I know the presence of God. It's that, it's that presence is that when that person that smiles at you and you know they're going through a really difficult time and people wonder, what are you smiling for? You know, and you just say, it's just the odor of the Holy Spirit in my life. That doesn't sound too good, but you know, that's probably religious jargon. They won't understand, so forget that. But you know it's just God's presence. You know, it's, it's that time when I see people that just offer praise to God when they have no right to praise because everything's gone wrong. And people say, what's wrong with you? You're still praising, and yet you know, the cat's died, and the car's broken down, and, you, and you know, all the rest of the problems have happened. And they say, you know, it's just the presence of God. Through the Holy Spirit. It's a time I see when, you know, when someone jumps in line in front of you, and that doesn't happen too often in Australia because our culture is there's always stand in line and never jump into line in front of you. I remember once I was in Italy and I was actually lining up to go into the Colosseum in, 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 um, in Rome, me and Michelle, and there's people from Europe that must, I thought, this is my, and they jumped in front of us and I felt like giving them a part of my mind, you know. I thought, how dare you do that? You know, that doesn't happen in Australia. We don't do it that way in Australia. But, you know, they didn't care. And, you know, quite honestly, I didn't say anything in the end because I just smelt the burning of flesh. And what was happening is that God was just saying, just burn that flesh. Get rid of that attitude. Some of you have it. Have you recognized it? You know when that person cuts you off in traffic and they, and they tell you, they give you the, you know, um, the Hawaiian wave? 
and you want to give them the Hawaiian wave back and you just want to tell them what you think of them and they give you a four-letter word and, and, and all of a sudden, ah, you smell something. And you know you can't say anything because it's your flesh that's, it's just your flesh burning. It's okay. It's just that wanting to retaliate that's burning. It's just the Holy Spirit just saying, yeah, just, just let me, give me a match, light that one up. It's when you want to tell your wife, you know, all the negative stuff or, or maybe you just want to get angry with her because she didn't do what you wanted or maybe the husband didn't do what he should. He just watched television all afternoon when he should have mowed the lawn. And, you know, and wives, you just want to give him a piece of your mind. Just light it up. <laughs> Smell the flesh. It'll burn. It's easy to burn it. It's as easy to, but it's, e it's not so easy to light it up because you don't want to. Come on. It's a time at work, you know, when, when someone else gets the promotion and you don't, and you thought, that was my job. Just light it up. It's just to let the flesh burn. It doesn't smell nice, but believe me, the fragrance will turn to the fragrance of the Holy Ghost eventually. It'll smell awkward at first, but then it turns to something that's so much better. Last thing, and we'll finish. Uh, the fire of the Holy Spirit. What does it do? What does the Holy Spirit do? He grabs our attention. Fire always grabs your attention. You know, I don't... If there's a bonfire on and you're around it, it's, it's fascinating just to stare at the bonfire, isn't it? Just fire has this ability just to, you know, to, I don't know, bring elements of peace somehow or to relax, or, you know... The fire is amazing that way. And, you know, if you remember, there was a scene in Genesis when Moses was out in the wilderness. He'd spent 40 years in Egypt. He'd murdered someone. He had to hightail it out of there. They wanted him because he'd murdered someone. He spent now 40 years in the desert. He married, got a real job, um, and was a goat herder and a sheep herder. And now he's on the backside of the desert. So he's 80 years of age. And God, then, and then as Moses is sitting there, he, he's, uh, all of a sudden this bush starts to burn over here. It just lights up. And that's not so strange in the desert of Sinai, okay? That's not so strange because when you get the right conditions in the heat of the sun in a dry bush, that's a fuel and the source and a little bit of gentle breeze, um, that bushes have been known to spontaneous combustion happen. So that wasn't so weird. But you know what was the really crazy thing that it says in Scripture? Moses said he saw because he wasn't really that enthralled by the burning bush but as he stood there, he watched it, and it says in Scripture, the burning bush was not consumed. It just kept on burning. So he went a bit closer. This bush is just... So he got attracted by the fire. He, he got attracted by the fact that it wasn't being consumed. And he goes up to the bush, and, and the bush speaks to him. And then he knew it was God, and God outlays this whole plan of how he's going to go back into Egypt for, and uh, live another 40 years of his life, and he's going to bring the children of Israel out of slavery and bondage in Egypt. And God unfolds his plan. But the fire attracted him. The fire attracted him. And I want to just say that in... 
in Acts chapter 2, it says the believers were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they had little like tongues. It wasn't fire, but it was like tongues of fire on their head. What was that all about? That's a crazy kind of manifestation. Why tongues of fire? The fire attracted us. There was a whole lot of people in, in, in Jerusalem at that time and it attracted people to this scene because they saw and they heard them speaking in other tongues in languages that, that was foreign to them, but other people knew. And it, it, it attracted them. It brought them to the source. So Peter caught their attention. He, he stood up and he preached this powerful message filled with the Holy Spirit. And 3,000 3, people responded uh, that very day. That's pretty amazing. They responded to Jesus Christ. Um, and it was because of this fire attraction, because of the Holy Spirit falling in people's lives. Now, in relation to Acts chapter 2, the little fires or the things like fire didn't last. But the fire in their heart, it kept on going. Because many of them, at least 10 of the 12 disciples, because Judas killed himself and John lived to a ripe old age and died, but 10 of the 12 that were so much on fire, they were willing to say our lives for the gospel. And they, and they were all martyred for their faith. I mean, that's a powerful testimony to their passion to continue to love and serve God the Holy Spirit within them changed them forever in the Acts chapter 2 of the, that book in the New Testament changed them forever something happened powerfully can we have the musos this morning the fire of the Holy Spirit is often used to make us look and consider things about God you know it make us God wants us to have his presence in us more. More of his presence, evidenced by, the, by his gifting on our life, the baptism, friends, of the Holy Spirit. You know, if I could ever communicate to you in relation to what's the difference between the Holy Spirit of salvation and the Holy Spirit of baptism and the Holy Spirit, it's a bit like, it, it, this is a fairly... Um, you know, it's, it, there's never a good example, but this is best I can do. It's like you take a sponge and you crunch it in your hand, and you've got a bucket of water there. And, you know, you put your hand with the sponge in your fist into that water and just hold it there. And the water has started to just filter into the sponge a little bit, started to fill it a little bit, but it can't fully because you're got a tight grip on that sponge and so the sponge is in the water but the water isn't totally in the sponge and you can appreciate now what I'm going to say but you let go of the sponge and straight away the water floods in and fills the sponge it's consumed by the water no longer is it there dry bits in that sponge is totally consumed and I suppose if it was ever as ignorant a picture that is it's just as not so much ignorant I suppose but it's not even as archaic as that picture is, that's a, something of the picture of that God wants more of you in your life. You know, even if you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit and experienced the giftings of, of his love and, and, and tongues and all that, do you know the truth is he wants you to be, be being filled with his presence, hey? He wants you to have more of it. But I find that we can be satisfied with you just need to turn off. We just need to have more. He wants you to have more. And I find the more I have for him, of him, the more strength I have. The more I can do life so much better. The more I can love my wife better. The more I can love the unlovely. The more I can love my kids. The more I have thoughts that are good and right and pure. 
and the less of the bad stuff, the more I have of him, the more I can face this world with the joy and a peace that the world didn't give me and the world can't take it away. Just more of him, more of him, more of his presence, more of God's presence through the Holy Spirit. And this morning, I just want to pray with you today. I want to pray for you. It says that sometimes they receive the Holy Spirit with the laying on of hands, it says in the New Testament. Sometimes people just receive the Holy Spirit uh, by themselves. That's cool. But I'd love the opportunity and the team just to come and pray with you if that's your desire. So today, this is what we're going to do. We're going to stand in a moment. We're just going to have our last song, and then we'll close the service. But during that last song, if you would just say, Father, I just want a breakthrough. Because the Holy Spirit just doesn't come to tickle our you know, tickle our fancies and make us feel good. No, he, he comes for a purpose. He comes for a purpose for us to be his people, to have breakthroughs in our life. And you're saying, yeah, there's some breakthrough I need. Maybe there's healing needed in your body. Maybe there's this morning just some circumstances changed, and maybe he just wants to change some things in your circumstances or change your attitude and your outlook on things. He can do that as he, he can set new mindsets in place. And, and maybe that's you this morning. And I invite you just to my left, your right, to come and gather. I just want to lay hands and pray today because I believe in the Holy Ghost who wants to encourage us and, and come into us and fill us. If there's, That's fine. If there's no one, that's fine. But today, I just want to give you the opportunity. We're going to just sing, release the service, and those who are to my left, we just want to pray together and say more of you, Holy Spirit. If you're just seeking something needs to break through. Amen. Can we stand today?